The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Intercut Podcast channel, the weekly pace where we break down the latest in movies, TV, and entertainment that you can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zach Reshevich, and joining me, he's the head of the jury for the Couch Film Festival. It's Arturo Zurita. I think your mic might have been muted at, during, at some point during that, though. I just, I want to answer the Johnny Depp questions here at the Couch Film Festival, so I, <laughs> I, we're avoiding all of that stuff here at the jury. <laughs> we, we take no press conferences. We only commentate on uh, Harrison Ford's good looks. Just, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll keep it to what's happening on, in the movies, but uh, it's the end of the con film festival, or at least last week was, and neither of us were there. So we need to bring in someone who actually was Ballman. on the ground and saw the films. Uh, yeah, we won better. We got him on the stream. We're welcoming back Woo. Amanda the Jedi, our resident uh, French, 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 French travel expert. Amanda, oui, how's oui. it going? How, it's going how's pretty it being good. Back from Canada, uh, fr- back from France in Canada. Uh, it is good. Uh, it was a little bit of a hectic situation getting back to Canada, but uh, yeah, happy to be back. But uh, always love my time over in Europe. It would not be a trip to a film festival if you did not have some issues at the airport. I think we've come yeah. to expect that now. Yeah, but, uh... pretty much. Part of your Canada, uh, but Amanda the Judge. <laughs> Canada. Uh, but yeah, the, another year of Cannes in the books, uh, your second time attending the iconic French festival. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we try to do our film festival coverage together, but uh, you, you're our boots on the ground in, in France, letting us know what uh, Terry Fermeau has decided that we all need to see. And, uh, you know, an interesting year for the Cannes Film Festival, both with the films and some stuff that happened outside of the festival. I think we're going to mostly talk about the, the films because that's the area that we most enjoy talking about. Uh, before we get into the specifics, though, I did want to ask more generally, like, how was your experience? How was it compared to uh, your last time at the Con Film Festival? Any any things you've noticed now that you've been there twice? What, what's your big takeaway from Con this year? Uh, it wasn't as nice this year as last year. It's just like a com- combined things. Like the weather was way better last year. Um, I think the movies overall were better last year. Like there were some definite highlights this year, but uh, so far I think Sundance really has a lock on the best festival hey. of the year so far. I, Sundance had the quality. South by Southwest had a lot of like good, really ones I'm a lot of really excited about. But yes, uh, Sundance brought the heat this year. Uh, Con did not so much. It was a lot colder this year, not like freezing, but it rained more this year. So it was less of the. Um, beautiful like last year it was so warm i had to buy new pants because i was like apparently jeans are not acceptable here and i will die uh my pasty little ass will die um and then this year it was all like oh no i only brought my like really flowy pants because from last year and I, now it's a little chilly oh no i'm um, still nice though still one of the most beautiful places i've ever been um the theaters are really nice it's for the most part 
all pretty uh, connected. So like the press screenings are usually all in uh, Debussy, which we just called Debussy because it's funner that way. But then there's like three other theaters in that auditorium. And then the really big Lumiere theater, which is where all the big premieres happen. And then like Agnes Varda is just kind of connected off to the side, but it's all this little, it's almost like a campus of theaters. And then like the press lounge is all in there. So that's nice. But then there's scattered theaters in other areas so they'll take over a couple of the actual theaters in the area and then a couple of other like auditorium type things yeah two this year that i hadn't been to before i hadn't been to the licon which is and i know why actually now it's it's where all of the cinephile movies play which is though you can apply for a cinephile badge and get in but they don't translate they don't have the english subtitles on the movies and most of the movies next to it will say no english subtitles so the only way you could see those Ah. movies if you speak english is if it's an english movie so I went to see Anatomy of the Fall there, and it didn't say you, it didn't say it didn't have English subtitles. So I assumed that it was going to be fine, uh, but then it didn't. But it's because half the movies in English and half the movies in French. So I was like, and then there's uh. French subtitles for the English parts, and I was like, man, I would have been 100 percent good if the French side subtitles had been playing the entire time. But I was, I would say I was 95 percent good understanding the French. It's just, just like it hits French? a French like, and English. What if it was a middle eastern movie or uh, then i would have been is it only the french movies uh no it's all the movies well no so they'd subtitle them in french they're all subtitled french because it's Mm. france but then most of the movies are subtitled french and english so if i went to go see yeah if you go to see the koreeda movie it's hard-coded french then they have a separate screen underneath running it all in english so the Likon just doesn't have that separate screen underneath um and then i Mm. went to the uh the uh croset the croset theater um, which is where most of the or a lot of the director's yeah. Fortnite stuff was playing, and that's that's where I saw the the Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that's kind of the the like iconic con venue, or is it more of the Debussy? I thought that the Lumiere was like the iconic one because that's where yeah. all the premieres are. But like the theaters itself is on the Croisette, so like the Croisette is like the the, okay. the shoreline of that side. Um, so, but that it was a really nice theater, but I I don't know if it's. Uh, yeah, it is. I think it's iconic, but I, I feel like the one you want, the one if everybody's all like, I went to this, it's like you got all dressed up and you went to an after 7 p.m. screening. No, that makes the, sense because yeah, yeah. when I when I Google it, it's just pictures of the beautiful shoreline, mm-hmm. which not yeah, bad absolutely. either. Yeah, not so it's like either. when people say it's like, yeah, our Airbnb's up the croissette. It means that you're basically, I think it's like there's a, a boat dock. There were these boats, like a like a harbor, a little tiny harbor. It's everything mm-hmm. to like the right of the harbor is like the croissette. So, nice, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. If you were in a dark room, <laughs> when you had views like that, <laughs> that's always the Dude, worst part. When you go to these I know, and that's why. And it's like beautiful yeah. mountains, just beautiful outdoors in Austin. And then what yeah. we do is... Lock ourselves in a room. I know. At, yeah, well, sun, at least Sundance hopefully worth it. works out because it's cold. You know, Sundance really right, is like, oh, it's sure. cold. I'm happy to be inside for a bit. But like this, when this, so the days it was rainy, I was like, well, at least I'll just stack a bunch of movies here. But then some of the nice days and you're like. They don't do any outside? Uh, I don't. Uh, there is, there like... is the beach. There is actually, they do screen stuff on the beach, but it's like free to, free to watch. They can't, obviously can't yeah. play Killers of the Flower Moon on Elemental. the beach. because every Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You did get so. a chance to to show off some of your your best outfits, though. Look at the looks, though the pinstripe. Hey. Yeah, the Scorsese Ooh. got all dapper. Yeah, it's always good Uncle to have Trip. at least one nice outfit. Stunting you know? on them. I, yeah, yeah it, I like that. I was happy with that. 
Uh, how how fancy are you, are you getting for the average screening at con? Are you je- uh, dressing up with a blazer for every premiere, or is it just no, a well, couple days? No, it's like because the ones that are in, you have to dress up if you're going to be in the main theater in that Limad after 7 p.m. They literally will not let you in. It's black tie. So women get a little bit more leeway, especially now that they can't be like, okay, I guess we can't tell women they have to wear a dress. Um, so men can wear kilts. You can make a kilt black tie, but you have to you have to have a bow tie. If you're a guy, you have to, it has to be a black or navy suit. You have to have the bow tie. Women can get away with like either full matching suit or like nice like dress pants and a nice top um and like dresses or cocktail dresses little black dresses and stuff like that they're way really strict on shoes um i feel like i just unintentionally look better at con because i got those flowy pants and i just (laughs) take my like obnoxious floral shirts but then you you just tuck that into like some dressier pants and you look like you're dressed up (laughs) you know like you can literally it's the difference between oh it's unbuttoned over a tank top versus it's buttoned up and tucked in and now i'm like i'm fancy Um, it's colder this year though yeah yeah it was a little colder this year but that just means like i'd wear i'd put a top pop, pop a blazer on or just put my jacket on Sundance like a fit. jean jacket but like <laughs> see that's the great always, thing about a, yeah. a button up you have the versatility with it you do you have the versatility it's great but that's mm-hmm. always it was always the funny thing we, we'd be so the lines for debussy and um the <laughs> lumiere are side by <laughs> side just divided a little bit like they line up in the street we line up on the sidewalk very not organized like South by Southwest has the best organization of any film festival Surprise. I've ever been to. Like they're yeah. just adjusting lines on the drop of the hat. Khan is like the opposite. You got like cops trying to get through a crowd of people and people just being like, guys, so you- friends. yeah, yeah, literally. So you'd see people dressed to the nine in the press line and you'd be like, Hey, are you going to like the one that's supposed to be in the Limiad? And they're like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, you're supposed to be in that line. But then because there's so much uh, further ahead here, they don't want to move over. And I'm like, they are, you were going to get to the front of this line and they're just going to kick you back to that ever growing line. Oh, you like should they go won't now. Take the advice. They won't. Sometimes they Stubborn. won't. They were like, I don't trust you. And I'm like, why do you <laughs> okay. think everyone around you is wearing sweatpants? Like, <laughs> just press. They don't care. Um, but yeah. They, I think you're supposed to dress up a little bit nice, but I've never been like clocked on anything. That's good. So we, we talk a lot about the kinds of movies that you can expect at these festivals. And, you know, with Sundance, you get a variety of like American and international dramas with some uh, midnight stuff thrown in there. South by is a much more genre friendly mm-hmm. festival. Lots of comedies, lots of horror with, with Khan. There's not really that much by way of American films. They had Elemental this year, Indiana Jones. I'm not sure. If uh, and C- Killers of the Flower Killers. Moon. I'm not sure if they had more beyond those three in terms of American movies, uh, but it's a a big, big international slate. Lots of foreign films. Mm. Lots of films from like really renowned uh, directors. What do you say? What would you say about like the vibe of the movies that you get at Con? I mean, it, I, I don't know if like the mean way to look at it is maybe a little bit more homeworky but there's a lot of good stuff there uh and and last year particularly had a really really incredible lineup yeah um it's it's weird it's i feel like there's a certain vibe that they go go for and then sometimes that vibe really works and it's a good movie and then sometimes that vibe does not work out that great and it's like pretty bland and you're wondering like why is this here? Because it's like when something's real, like I understand why they premiered two episodes of The Idol at Con because it's Sam Levinson and it's hype. Sure. Um, I don't TV? 
What? They don't usually. I don't think so. Like, I, but they did for the idol. They put so a lot of people didn't realize it was a television show. So like the first yeah. episode ends and a bunch of people like were like, "Fuck, it's a show," and they walked out. <laughs> um, Spider Verse Part One. Yeah, Spider Verse Part One. Um, so that it's hype, but then there's like some of these smaller ones, and you're watching, and it's like, this kind of feels like a film school assignment, almost in a bad way. Like last year had Dodo, which I felt it felt like a telenovela soap opera type thing. And I was like, I don't know why this is here. Um, so I do feel like I actually really just it feels more. Um, I know there's people in charge of different areas, but it feels very like this is one person. I'm like, I picked these movies. These are my movies that I picked. They and I like these movies. Yeah, and it's it's less than um, you know. It's like when you go to TIFF, you know that like Buddy picked his midnight movies, yeah. right. and you go to every you go like because this has the category Sultan Regard, which is supposed to be kind of like the next category or the um, what's the one at Sundance? The the one that it's supposed to be the the ones that are a next. little bit more. Yeah, is it next? But what's the one at yeah. TIFF? Okay, the ones that are supposed to be a little bit more unique or whatever, and you're it's watching like them, and I'm like, like that. yeah, and it's like I don't think this is that much different than anything in the other category what do, what do you i don't know some of it might be culture some of it might be like just general vibes or genre or like what it does i guess might be where they're trying to differentiate it but like some of those movies could just as easily fall into yeah. another category like i don't know why um why in our day would, would, would be, oh, that was in Director's Fortnite, never mind. Either way, there's just certain ones that I'm like, I don't know why you put this here and what differentiates it from something that's in another category. If it's mm -hmm. like not genre, but kind of a little bit too genre to be in our in competition, or if we're just like, oh, this is just going to stick the leftovers. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We did mention how, you know, unlike America, the way that productions happen all across the world is that many times they're funded by those countries. And mm. considering how the con dude, I'm blanking on his name. Theory, did theory, a, That man did a whole rant on the Oscars, yeah. not because the Oscars awarded the best movie, but because, because he felt that the prestigious award for an international film should come from con. And if it's coming from the Oscars, like right before, he feels like it's like throwing away their thunder. So do you feel that maybe some of the curation is because of said films coming from certain countries that they need to curate from? Where you're like wondering why why is this coming like dodo i don't know what does it really comes. feel possible just like have a true global feel right it does it does because you've got you've got movies from china you've got movies from japan you've got movies from korea um you've got you know france middle eastern so it really does feel like it tries to give there was a canadian movie like it feels like it does try to hit so i guess if you only have x number of movies that have premiered and if all these other movies have already premiered at other festivals and you're trying mm -hmm. to be exclusive and you don't want to be the one replaying other mm -hmm. things you know if somebody's all like i think i have a better shot of getting into sundance let's apply to sundance you get in then suddenly con's like well now we don't want you because you did sundance you know yeah. yes or exactly. you did berlin we don't want you you did berlin yeah so all the extra may... things that come with curation yeah so i do think that that might actually play a, a fairly large piece in it and it just might be that it's like a little bit of a weirder year for for movie releases like I'm, I'm making it sound like there's nothing really good but i think it's it was one of these sad situations that a lot of stuff i was really hyped for kind of under delivered and then stuff that i was at least anticipating being good ended up really not hitting for me uh but there were some some nice little surprises in there which was good but yeah you do definitely feel the the worldness of it like i i it has the most options for just like a lot of different things like i feel like there's a lot more like middle eastern coverage at con than mm -hmm. a lot of other other festivals because i think 
a lot of them work in partnership with the Red Sea and they have their own film festival. So, yeah. And I know in the past they've maybe struggled to uh, represent Africa particularly well, but I know this year they had a couple titles, at least from the continent. Uh, so, the, you know, I, maybe even expanding that global reach a mm. bit as they uh, continue to look globally. But yeah, uh, it, it's always an interesting selection of stuff. And uh, for those of you who are big Oscar watchers, a lot of the p films that co end up competing for Best International Film, a lot of them have their premieres here or are at mm. least shown here. Or a lot of the filmmakers who get nominated in that category have films that end up here. So... Uh, a lot of exciting stuff to pay attention to that I'm sure we'll all be putting on our watch list for the next couple of months. Uh, but we should probably talk about some of those great movies that you got to see and maybe some of those not so great movies that you got to see as well. Yeah. A lot of really interesting stuff at the, this year's festival. Yeah. I don't know if we should just start it out with the, the opening night film, Jean uh, Dubarry, which uh, made, made a lot of headlines. Again, yeah. some of them for the right reasons and a lot of them for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, this being a film uh, starring Johnny Depp and also directed by Mai Wen, who has her own uh, trouble with <laughs> uh, tabloids and, and press. And, uh, she spit in someone's face. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Wait, what? All <laughs> she got, she, yeah, she got under, she's currently dealing with assault charges for pulling, and I think it was an editor at a restaurant, pulling his head back and then spitting in his face. I don't know what he did to her. So did maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, no, he was like an editor. She was just eating at the restaurant and she happened to walk in. Like, I don't, oh, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Like he's like some kind of film. Okay. He, like, he's like, I think I didn't look fully, but he, I think he's like an editor of some publication or something. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah. <laughs> but how was that, she as a uh, film director, I guess, and um, star? Well, she's I mean, also she's the lead act. The, she's the lead. Yeah. She's Jeanne. She's Jeanne Dubarry. She's Mistress <laughs> Dubarry. Um, it's, it's weird. I felt that, so, okay. The, what I first have to say is that it was very bold for her to cast herself as literally woman who instantly gains the attention of every man who walks by uh, her, including the king. Thought that was bold. Yeah, it Nothing kind of to cast yourself as like the Helen of Troy figure. Yeah, and, like, oh, I'm not calling her ugly. Luke, I'm just saying Luke it's bold. partner. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a lot she of sense. She goes by one name? Yeah, my Wen or May Wen. I seal. Yeah, so um, I think that this kind of feels like a Wikipedia article being put to film. And then there's opening, there's narration throughout it, but it's very strong in the beginning and very, very strong at the end. And it almost felt like it was like an afterthought. Like it was, okay, we need to explain. We want to explain a little bit of her childhood and how it ramped into this, but we don't actually want to just show her as a child. We, so we need to have somebody just narrating over top of it. Um, and then it's just kind of like, here's all the things that happened in this person's life. Like last year, um, they had the movie Corsage there and mm -hmm. that picked like a very Except specific angle. It was like, okay, this is a woman who is getting bored because she is in this position and she wants to do so much more with her position, but because of who she is and when she is, she can't. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it is a fictional account, but then they at least pick an angle and they go with it. This doesn't do that. This doesn't pick any angles. It doesn't do anything specific. It just lacks perspective. It lasts. Yes. Thank you. Lacks perspective. And yeah. it's supposed to, we're really supposed to be locked in with her. And this is supposed to be an account of her life. 
So there are interesting parts. It's like, I had no idea that Jeanne Dubetti started overlapping with like Marie Antoinette and that all that was a thing, but, and that the Kings had official mistresses so that she was actually an official mistress and that ended up being a thing. And then it's, we're supposed to think it's all romantic, but then I don't know, lots of weird stuff. It's, it's not, it, I think it's going to end up on Netflix and that's probably where it belongs. Um, but yeah, it, so that was interesting. Yeah. A, a bit, one of the ones that probably sounds like a more of a letdown. Do you think this is a movie that would maybe even satisfy like the, the history nerds in the audience or oh, the like old timey uh, relation, like the Bridgerton crowd, or is it maybe even just a Johnny Depp fan? Well, movie? I think because it's French, it's going to close off a lot of people there alone. A lot of people are yeah. just going to be like, I don't want to watch a French movie. So I think that's going to lock a lot of people out. Um, it's like, I don't even know if it's good enough to be for good for like a history buff, like maybe a bit, but it just doesn't get deep enough in anything. It really just turns into more of these like petty jealousies of the people that were close to the king and their jealousies towards her. And it doesn't even, there's really interesting things about her life that I feel like they touch on and they acknowledge as a problem, but they don't like get into it. They don't get into the thing that like this woman is doing what she's doing because it's that or she's poor. It's like, you can do a handful of things in oh. life when you're, when you're born poor and she's like, yeah, I'm going to be a mistress mm. and I'm going to live a comfortable <laughs> life that way. And yeah, so I just think it could have been not the best berry this year. Then I saw a comment. Yeah, not the best <laughs> berry this year. Um, but yeah, it's not, it wasn't horrendous. It just wasn't great or remarkable. Like last year's opening was Coupe, which is Final Cut, which is a remake of mm -hmm. One Cut of the Dead. And at least even if that's not as good of a remake or as good a movie as the original, it was still entertaining. It was still super fun. It had a meta vibe to where we were. I thought it was a great way to start the Cannes Film Festival. But yeah, this was just an odd choice. And I think they only went with it because it opened in French theaters like that next day. Like you could walk into uh, any of the theaters really? and watch Jean Dubadi. The yeah. classic wow. film festival uh, premiere boost that we're, yeah, we're unfortunately yeah, but actually, used to. That was the same thing with Final Cut. Actually, you day. could watch Final Cut in theaters last year too. I forgot about that. Yeah. You can watch it at Tribeca at home, even though they yeah. ripped it out of Sundance for being online. And now it's going to be online. So. so dumb. Yeah, that was upsetting. But yeah. All right, so uh, John Dubarry maybe an underwhelming way to start your con experience, but uh, one of the first films that you caught there, I know, ended up being one of your favorites. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the latest from Coreata? Yes. So Monster by Coreata was uh, really good. I'm still chewing on that ending. I think the ending is actually going to be kind of contentious, controversial to some people. Maybe not controversial, but contentious. But yeah, it, it just, it's very interesting. So it's like this thing that like, it starts with a mother who's a single mother and her son and the son just starts acting weird and kind of doing weird things. And then she's trying to figure out what's happening. And then the kid says that basically starts saying things to the, the effect that like, oh, my teacher at school is bullying me. My teacher at school is saying I have a pig brain. And just so then the kid's acting just so weird. So the teacher, so the mom goes to the school and is immediately like, what is wrong? And that, but the teacher doesn't seem to care. He's not taking it seriously. He's just so chill, like way too, it's very weird. So you're going through this perspective and you think everything's one way. You're kind of following the narrative, but then it switches you over to the teacher. And then you see what everything's going on from that perspective and how it's shaping the story going backwards and why he thinks all the things 
he thinks about the situation that's happening based on the information that he has in front of him before it finally gets to the son's perspective and uh, the friendship that he has with this other kid and how it's just building into this concept of monsters who are monsters. Why would someone think they're a monster? And uh, just like these little, these tr this truth that's being hidden under something. And there's just some like really profound lines in it like at, like at one point like the kid says something about like he not deserving to be happy for some reason and like mm. then the teacher's like well no one needs to deserve to be happy otherwise like it wouldn't be a thing like it's just like I, i'm saying it horribly but it was just like such a poignant line about like what people deserve and what everybody as a person should be owed but really beautiful felt quite different honestly from his last two movies um but i think it handled that time thing really well because you just kind of hear or see something and then when it's showing it from the different perspective that thing would happen again so you'd be seeing you it both helped keep you like on the timeline you knew where you were compared to where we had already been but then it's like you'd notice something really like why did that happen and then you find out why it happened later on so there's there's a reason is, why one for screenwriting because it is very tightly oh, held okay. together yeah. Yeah, uh, it won the uh, as you just mentioned the best screenplay award. Uh, yes. I think that was Yoji uh, Yakusho. No, no, no. I'm looking looking at the wrong one. Uh, Yuji Sakamoto won for yeah. best screenplay. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely got a good script to it. You're the way you're describing it. So it has kind of like a Rashomonic structure, and it's like three parts, three perspectives, or it's cutting between the three characters. It is. It's mostly like three separate like it'll kind of right. jump around to someone else a little bit after you've been near someone and you but it does it doesn't feel so it's not so harsh it doesn't feel like part one this person part two this person right it does feel like it flows but yeah you do just kind of like you're you start more with the mom and then you slide into something else but um yeah it's not staunch but it does it, it kind of resets so it's like it all starts with this building burning down so it's like the kid and the mom are watching this building burn down. And then when it comes to the teacher, you see the teacher seeing the building burning down. And it just, yeah, it's just told in a really, really interesting way. Have you seen Mother? Which the Bong Joon-ho film? Yes. Yes. That was, I was getting some of that vibe, too, from the description. I'm getting hints it's of a, that, so I want to yeah, know. Hints of that, but not, not fully, but like, yeah. Okay. And a little bit because but because then this kind of at the end then brings it back to like open perspective. So it's not any individual anymore. It's like mm -hmm. a full thing. Um, a little but more uh, little. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we got a question. Okay. It's a gut punch. Is it we also got a question. Film? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Lens asked if it's Coriata's darkest film. There you go. I don't know if you can get much darker than what's like visibly happening on like what's happening in shoplifters. Like that's pretty. <laughs> dark in terms of yeah, what's going on not afraid of some uh seedy underbellies yeah it is dark such a weird way to put it it's not like it's dealing with something that's really hard and it's it's in an underbelly type of way and that is both due to what it is and culturally how things are are handled in different countries uh and how that would affect your own self-view and how you're trying to express that especially at, at a young age um, I think it's really light in certain areas, but then it kind of starts feeling dark, but then it almost turns because you go in this one direction where you think that like this kid is just being like literally tortured 
emotionally and mentally by his teacher, but then you get this whole weird like social media um, like frenzy buildup of, of when they pick up certain stories. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know about darkest, but it's uh, it, it has probably one of the harsher endings, I think. Probably one of the harshest, but then they still try to keep it happy in a weird way. It's like, it's hard to, hard to describe. You'll have to see it. It's just one of those things that I was like, did that just, oh God, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Corey it is a, a master at balancing that kind of, is it optimistic or is it actually terrible tone? Yes, that's exactly uh, it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. yeah, definitely anticipating that one. Um, one that a lot of people are anticipating and I think maybe we're disappointed to see the first wave of reviews for is the latest Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones and the Dial yeah. of Destiny from James Mangold. You look like you were kind of like down the middle on this one. Yeah, because it was You're such a, a I'm actually already seeing reviews going down. Uh, Matt Neglia's was a three and a half, so his has gone down. Oh, um, what happened there? Probably, I don't know, probably saw enough reviews of people being like, this is kind of just like a Disney cash grab feel good type thing to end it off and just polish and be like, look, the last one wasn't Crystal Skull. But it, I feel like this movie actually started really strong. I actually like the de-aged scene when they're on the train and they're just fighting Nazis the way that Indiana Jones does because that's what we love. Though. You know, it's that's good. And then I would say like the opening scene when it cuts to the present is really good because it, it, it takes a look at this aging Indiana Jones about to retire from the university right when, you know, Neil Armstrong and all those guys are getting back to Earth after being on the moon. So you've got this guy who spent his whole life, you know, working in archaeology, finding history anthropologically learning all these things to help move a society forward and how society moved forward now dealing with the world that is changing so quickly that we're on the moon we're on space who cares about what's in the dirt like a very alan grant jurassic park it's like we've got them in front of us who cares about where it came from type thing um and i feel like if they had really stuck to that for a while and i think they try to bring it back towards the end but like the plot is just so big and kind of dumb a time by a time it gets there that it doesn't have the impact that it should have when you're exploring that kind of idea especially with this being like the last one at least the last one with harrison ford like i just don't see him doing it again at least not as indiana jones running around jumping through things and you know having yeah. stunt guys do stuff for him believably um but so it has moments, but then it just kind of turns into like, it feels like a little bit too many MacGuffin missions of we got to go here to get this. And then the bad guys are going to show up the second that we get the thing. Like you can pull that off a couple times in a movie, but when that's the whole movie over and over again, mm. it gets a little bit old. Um, it was one of the more exhilarating watches at, at, at con because people were really into like cheering and clapping when fun things were happening. And, you know, you got your good quips between him and the Nazis, like, and that's what you're looking for. You've got the, you know, the classic, like, I'm putting the hat in front of your face and punching you. So it has, you know, it has the callbacks. But at what point is it just trying to rely on some callbacks and cleaning things up and, like, kind of undoing what they did in the last movie and, you know, actually trying to do something that matters with the character that people love so much? And I just don't think there was enough of that. And it was too much just, like, playing it as safe as possible. Uh, the main reason that I at least had like a little bit of my interest peaked with this one is that they're featuring Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who obviously she was, was good, excellent in Fleabag. She she at least yeah. held her own across from Harrison. 
Yeah, no, she was fantastic. She was a real highlight. Um, I, I really liked how they used her, what they used her as, and, and kind of like it kind of starts in one direction where you think it's going to be one thing, and then it kind of flips off uh, in, a, in a different direction. Um, but uh, yeah, she couldn't, she can only go so, so far to save some of the weaker aspects of this movie. I also thought that Mads Mikkelsen w was good in this too, but I feel like no. they used oh, him okay. really poorly. Oof. Like, I, I just think they, poor <laughs> I think they used him poorly after like the kind of initial setup with him. I just think it got a little, a little bland after a while, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I can fully say this jumps the shark, but it hit, it hit a point where I was like, okay, we've, we have jumped the shark. The last one had aliens, but now we've jumped the shark. I'm okay with it being absurd, but I don't know. Out of this world is one thing. Yeah, out of the world is one thing, but like, come on, guys. So uh. it, it kind of sounds like you don't think that there's going to be much interest in like another Indiana Jones film after this one. I feel like they were trying. I feel like this was, if you watch it, this the feels attempt. like we're closing the chapter on Harrison Ford. Mm. Maybe we'll get something or someone else down the line. That would not surprise me at all with them trying to just make a wider Indiana Jones franchise built out of that. That wouldn't surprise me. But like, I don't see a world where we get another one with Harrison Ford. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, I we, think we it were is. He, he needs yeah. to rest. He doesn't need to be out there putting his body on the line anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not not terrible. It was exciting. Yeah. It was nice. I think if you see it opening night with a crowd that's really into it, you'll have a good time. I feel like it's just one of those things that as you're thinking about it, you're going to be like, what did that, like, do with this character that I love so much? And, like, does it even matter? Totally. All right. Well, there's a couple more. are out on oh. Disney+. Plus. Should people watch the previous four? Of course. I mean, I think you would like it more. I think you can you can you can go in blank and watch it and understand it because it's a self-contained story. But I don't see you getting as much value out of it if you're not like a fan of the previous Indiana Jones movies. Like this isn't this is like the end of a saga that you could watch if you'd never watched another Indiana Jones movie. But it's it's trying to like some of the best moments are going to be having an appreciation for where he came from and like how it started. But yeah, it's not like they pulled some like deep cut from Raiders that's now yeah. coming forward. So. All right. Let's hit a couple films that I feel like you, you maybe have a, a little bit less interest in uh, based on your middle reactions to uh, one that jumped out to me was black flies just because I, I didn't even realize Sean Penn was in another movie. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like he was getting mostly mixed reactions. Yeah, this one was um, interesting, and I think it could have been really great. It's like it's basically, you know, um, Ty Sheridan is, you know, he's trying to be a doctor, but he failed his MCAT, so he's just working as a paramedic, first responder um, for the, you know, the FDNY for a bit while he's trying to take the test again. But he gets put on like the most dangerous area of town, like night shift type thing, and it's just his like sanity slowly being like cracked down of like this person who's got into this because he wants to help people but he's constantly dealing with people who either don't want to help themselves don't want help from him or just horrible things happening that they can't stop and just this like how how it kind of affects him and like the people around him and how they have now changed over years and the idea of like paramedics kind of playing god that they do have these people's lives in their hands in okay. a way that like no one might even necessarily know if something went wrong because 
hey, we're first responders, you know? It was really serious yeah. and bad things happened. So it's just, um, it's really interesting in that sense. But then it'll just do these like weird, like sex scenes where they're mm -hmm. like atmospherically weird. And I don't know if it was stylistically supposed to be like, this is like the one good thing in his life, but it's still so weird and disconnected from what he's doing every night at work that it just feels disjointed, but it, it was, it's just odd. And I don't know why they went that direction with them. Um, it's based on a book. I am interested to check out the book because the story itself is really interesting and there's pieces that are interesting, but then it just overall came together kind of average, but uh, Oscar expert really ended up liking it. Um, hmm. I think he gave it a three and a half and I think I gave it a two nice. and a half and David Ehrlich gave it a one and a half. So we got a nice little <laughs> range of the gambit there. There you go. Um, so it, it has its moments. And I also just think it, it needed like a better ending probably. Nice. Uh, there's also the uh, film Only the River Flows, which sounded like a pretty intriguing murder mystery, although yeah. it's another one that maybe lost you in this back half. Yeah, that has, I feel like that was kind of a, an unfortunate trend this year. It was either yeah. movies with really interesting premises set up really well that completely lost it by the end, or just in the middle, just in the middle there, it was kind of like, we could either trim or clean this, or we can just let it ride, and they just let it ride. Um, this one was that it started super interesting and then it just started fizzling as it went. So there was like a murder that happens and they're trying to figure out who did it. And then anybody who's kind of loosely related to this murder who, or who was around seems to also end up killed. And then they do finally catch somebody and he's just so positive that it can't be this person for whatever reason that he starts getting like obsessed with trying to, you know, figure out who it could actually be or what's actually happening um, and I really like that idea of like this detective just getting so caught up in all of these little things that he's not just looking at the clean line of evidence that's in that's in front of him. Um, but then it does just get like really, really messy towards the end. And I, it's based on a short story. So I don't know if the short story was a little bit more ambiguous and then they didn't know how to, to wrap it up properly or how to get it from point A to point B in a way that was clean, which seems more like the case. Um, but it, it was interesting. Like, I'm, I'm happy I watched it. But uh yeah, it kind of fell fell a little flat by the end. Totally. Um, another one that you caught, I was particularly interested in because there's so many in, uh, cool names attached yeah. to the Sweet East, not just uh, Talia Ryder, Simon Rex, Jeremy O'Harris, and Iowa Debris, who lead the cast. But this one is directed by Sean Price Williams, who hasn't directed a whole lot that you might he's know, but he's shot a lot of movies that I think we we know and love from yeah. uh, Good Time with the Safties to Her Smell with Alex Ross Perry, Funny Pages uh, from last year. Uh, how does Sean Price Williams transfer to the director's chair? Um, I wanted to like this movie so much more than I did, and I might be the minority here, but I just don't know how much I like these strange Odyssey type movies. And this is a strange odyssey, semi-surreal movie, um, I think. And it's like, it's just a satire basically on like modern America. So you've got these heightened versions of like, you know, activist punks that call themselves artivist, neo-you-know-what's-its, neo, neo, you know, the, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, directors, just people that are trying to get into Hollywood. It's just all of these people that are kind of using her almost like she's like this this person that you can just put all of their ideals on and they don't care what they're saying if they're what they're saying is actually ridiculous because they just all assume that she's going to pick it up and be good with it 
Um, and then occasionally it'll actually call her out on some of the stuff that she does and says, which is cool. But I don't know how, I just don't think it stuck the landing. I mm. think it got, it was just, it's just probably not my type of movie, sadly, because I was really looking forward to it. But uh, I know a lot of other people liked it, as you can see by the ratings there. But uh, I, I found it kind of felt like it was like Bo is Afraid light without it oh. being tor without it torturing like the main character in the way that Bo is Afraid is torturing its main character. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of that idea that you're kind of traipsing from one scenario to another you're now like these are the people you're with now here's who you're with and this is the life and then here's who the people you're with now this is what you're with this is the life and it's just traipsing through like that so um yeah wasn't wasn't fully for me but a lot of other people really loved it so anybody was in the great yeah i was about to ask you if anybody in the cast stood out to you i was or my boy simon rex was simon right. rex of course simon rex yeah. is just so good at playing just bad people in different ways this year <laughs> he's really just nailing it yeah um yeah it's a it's an interesting one um but yeah i i seem to fall more on the david ehrlich side of things based on this right now i just kind of <laughs> felt like it, it had a lot to say it was shot in a really interesting way and i don't know if it really like stuck its landing perfectly so totally yeah. All right, let's talk about one of the uh, most well-reviewed mm. films to come out of Khan, The Zone of Interest, which is the new film from Jonathan Glazer, really interesting director who's already given yes. us films like Under the Skin, Sexy Beast, which I love. Uh, this film, which follows a commandant at Auschwitz and has a pretty unique uh, approach to how it depicts his life in that time. Yeah, this is one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really look at the description beforehand, but you're just basically watching this family move somewhere and then they're setting up house and then you're watching this this wife in a garden with a baby before you kind of notice that behind them is just this big wall and a fence and then barbed wire on top of it and then you kind of see stacks. And then you're just kind of noticing and it's like, oh my God, that's that's a concentration camp. They are literally mm -hmm. bordering a concentration camp and you never see anything. You never, you occasionally hear some gunshots, maybe a little cry. You see maybe in the night, you'll see some fire and some smoke billowing out. Mm -hmm. And that's all you see while you're watching this family build a beautiful garden, talk about the <laughs> pool they have, um, you know, just live their, live their normal life, you know? And then, occasionally you see buddy go to work and they're just casually talking about how efficient he's made things. And if you look up Rudolf Haas, he's not just a high ranking officer. He helped streamline the camps. He was That's like, right, Oh, yeah. you thought we were efficient before. This is how many people we can genocide with my help. You mm. know, he's a monster, but it's not showing it that way. And it's the, they don't see themselves as doing anything wrong. They don't notice that anything is bad. The old, there's like one character who like is horrified by what they realize hap is happening and then kind of leaves in the middle of the night. And then um, the wife gets offended by it. Cause it's like her mom leaves and she just, she's offended. She's offended that why, why would someone leave without telling me why they're mm -hmm. leaving? I don't understand. Well, these, the most horrific things that we've mostly done in society are happening right, literally right outside those walls. Uh, and it's, it's so trippy in a weird way. Um, yeah. And there's only one moment that really, there's like a moment towards the end that kind of like brings it forward a little bit. And even that is dealt with, dealt with in the most like mundane way as these people are just kind of like, 
it's just kind of showing a little bit of a memorial thing and it is then even not even trying to do the thing where we're really trying to stress to you though like this blah, blah blah it's just showing you and it's not insulting it's not it doesn't feel cheap it doesn't feel like it's um uh like i can't think of what i'm trying to say but like it doesn't feel like it's um taking it for granted or you know being it does justice inconsiderate. to it, the story yeah it doesn't feel like it, yeah. yeah it doesn't feel like it's being inconsiderate it's doing it to like really pack home that punch of i actually do think it was david ehrlich that said like it's like the banality of evil we are just showing right. you how mundane this was to these people and how like horrifying that is that this is a horror movie only for the people watching it you know mm -hmm. this is a mm -hmm. normal drama of a family trying to build their perfect life just happening to be right outside the walls of Auschwitz. Like at totally. one point they want to relocate him and she's like, no, we've built this home. It's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And like, th that's the drama we're focusing in on when we know that like the, some atrocities are happening and that is just so wild. And the movie also just started with like a minute or two of like a black screen. It was like a minute or two of the title on a black screen and then just black screen. And I think there might have been some kind of like ominous music or sound in the background, but I don't know if I'm now making that up, but it's like, it's like, it, it lets you, you know, it's like, okay, we are, we are yeah. here now. We are sitting like in my notes, I made a little joke because I didn't know what the movie was about yet. I was just kind of like, ah, it's like, he's a, he's accounting for the people that are going to be late. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, oh no, we're now, this is to set us apart from like what we are going to be seeing. This is to like prepare you to take you to an area that you weren't necessarily expecting to go so it might be a bit slow for some people because it does a lot of like they had a bunch of cameras set up in a house you've just got people walking from room to room to room to room type thing and just doing daily tasks but it really is to just show like look at all the basic things people can do while bodies are burning mm -hmm. you know yeah again uh, in a weird way it sounds both like the same but also the inverse of uh the academy award winner son of saul from a few years mm. ago which also doesn't really show anything but it's from the perspective of somebody in the camps and it's so the camera's always so tight on his face that you can't yeah. really see what's going on around <laughs> him but it does so much through the audio of it and uh from from your reaction i'm assuming that they don't like it it doesn't necessarily uh, run out of things to do that they they continue to find depth with it but i'm yeah. interested in something that sounds like such like a formal exercise and something that is so uh maybe like haunting of the soul and and not like trying to make us feel better in the end do you think this is the kind of film that's going to do well with with awards or this is more of like an art house type of movie to you i could see this picking up awards honestly this was actually the one people were really surprised didn't win the palm um mm -hmm. people were like genuinely shocked but i actually i think if this gets its way out of like the festival circuit, I, I do see how this could like definitely pick up awards. I think especially kind of with the current landscape of things, I can definitely see why, you know, um, it would just I pick up Haneke. based on that alone. What? Get brought up a lot. Haneke? 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 Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. That he that had that like very similar vibe. So, I mean, that's a man who was yeah. able to handle both markets as well. And was last mm -hmm. one with a more that did, that did pretty well. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to to see this one as as uh, upsetting as the zone of interest sounds. And you you mentioned it didn't win the Palme d'Or. It did take home the Grand Prix. It uh, did. So it 
yeah. it didn't go home empty-handed completely, even if it didn't take the top prize. As, What's the difference? Uh, you were saying many many people expected. Palm d'Or the, is the the top top prize. It's the it's and like free? the Academy Award Best Picture winner versus like mm-hmm. the best best international, I guess, oh, kind of okay. best international almost like. Yeah. Yeah. It's the because the Oscars right? don't give out a second place award. It kind of is yeah. the second place. Award. Oh, it's kind of second okay, place. Okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Hewler in both of them, though. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Even if she didn't win Best Actress at the festival, probably the the big uh, I'm actually, acting winner didn't? from the fest. I no, actually thought uh, she did. I think My it bad. went to the woman from About Dry Grasses, Merv Dizdar. Oh, okay. That's fine okay I'll t- she was really good i just question her place in it but that's okay um we'll get there yeah uh let, let's go to the film that maybe had the best title at con how to have sex uh a film that is about british teenagers doing uh going on a rite of passage of sorts was this fun more fun or more of a uh warning oh that was it wasn't fun it had fun moments it's Okay. Two teenage girls on spring break partying for a good chunk, but it's like the the main character, specifically the only one in this group of three girls, uh, teenage girls that hasn't lost her virginity. So they're there, mm-hmm. um, very specifically with the intentional. She's there. They're like, oh, you're going to use lose your virginity this time. So there's all those expectations attached to that, and then the you know societal ideas of like, what should she be doing? How should she be doing it? What should she allow happen to her and like what's acceptable to allow happen to her. But then there's the dynamic with the friend. So there's a guy that she is interested in and he seems interested in her and it would probably be a very nice experience. But I think her friend likes that friend. So she keeps saying, Oh, he's a loser. You don't like him. Look, Oh, he's a loser. And it just ends up in this situation that after like something weird happens at this big party, they're happening. She kind of like wanders off and one of the other friends kind of gets there. Um, it sounds like spoilers, but it's like kind of setting up that it's just like there's a lot of nuance to these situations mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, it's not a thing that she was going to be like, oh, my God, this bad thing happened to me because I just gave a kind of committal. OK, you can do this to me. But it's kind of how that then leads into like how somebody can take like a single like, OK, as like this is a forever. Oh. Yes. So I can do whatever I want, kind of whenever I want and how she's kind of trying to process process those things in her head of like, what should I do? What should I want? Am I okay with what happened? I should be okay with what happened because it's what I wanted to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of the internalized pieces of that. um, And then just kind of how things fall out from that situation. But it got like pretty bad, like towards the end, there's like a thing that it's all like, this is a black and white situation. We know exactly what happened. Like things, you know, things were said, this is a hard watch, by the way, like if you're sensitive to like assault, like don't watch this movie, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's like a very situation, something happens when like somebody's asleep and it's like, that's a cut that there's no debating that. Right. There was though, because when I was on the bus on the <laughs> way back, some guy was arguing with someone about what happened. Ooh. And then it was like, it was like a fucking Avengers team up. It was like that boys scene <laughs> with all the girls going to town on what's her face, Stormbreaker or whatever. Stormfront. Yeah. And then, and like, cause I was half listening, but then a girl in front of me is like, "You were that's really what you took away from this movie? So, like, everyone's just going in on this guy. But that's what I mean. That's why this movie is so kind of, like, wild that you could be watching it and you can see exactly what happened and then still be like, oh, well, was she actually asleep? It's like, it doesn't matter. She's <laughs> like, at, like, what do you mean? Was she actually asleep? 
in Barbarian, like, where people came out feeling bad for Justin Long, like that? Yeah! Like, what do you mean? It's just wild. It was just wild. Um, so the movie that's coming to mind... Yeah. The the movie that's coming to mind for me, just from your description of it, is uh, 13, the Evan, Evan Rachel Wood yeah. exploitation one. Is it kind yeah. of along those lines? Yeah. Honestly, yeah, not as... Not as I think... The, depending on how you feel about 13, I actually do think what it does, it's doing what it wants to do exceedingly well. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't put it quite there. Um, this, I think it might, I think it might just be like, that's British culture. Like the differences between like, if it was British people on spring break versus like a 13 year old going through something. But like, yeah, these are teens that are like, oh, we don't want to tell them how old we are. Like, we'll just tell them that we're like this age. Mm. And it's like, I don't know if it ever says how old they are, but I'm getting the, like they're, they're well, actually they must be close to, they're talking about getting their A's and then one of them going to college. And I know in the UK, you go to college after you're like 15 or 16. So they might be like 16 year old girls. Mm. So that in itself is a whole other dynamic that yeah. these are like underage girls who don't know what the hell they should be doing or what they want or how this should be going remotely. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to start, unfortunately start some debates, but I think it has a very good nuanced look at like situations that people can, can end up in and like how they feel like they have to act to get through them. Um, which I think is just good to have out there. It's going to feel way too yeah. real for some people, though. Like, there are some people I know, like, you just shouldn't watch this. Even if it's good, it's just not that you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> a little too difficult. A little bit too difficult yeah. in areas. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. An interesting follow-up situation from a guy who is a producer, an executive producer at a company. <laughs> and I won't leak who you are, but I know <laughs> who you are, so... <laughs> Don't do anything to a woman, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, we remember, can just guys, hope, right? Enthusiastic consent, right? That's know? if that's, that's the we... takeaway we need from how to have sex. Then hopefully yeah. more people get that. Yeah, the title makes it rough. The title does make it seem more of like a like, oh, this is gonna be like a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. woo, parties, yeah. drinking, bridesmaids. You think they're seventeen? Uh, okay, so they might have just turned seventeen. Either way, still underage. Yeah. Uh, from our, our buddy Ewan, who also caught a few films at Cannes, he, he says they thinks they're seventeen, but still, yeah. As Ewan, you're did I meet you briefly? I'm so I'm so bad with faces. I know I met I know I met somebody briefly. I can't remember if it was you, and I'm so sorry. But uh, let's talk about a film that a lot of audiences are actually going to get a chance to see pretty soon, and that is the latest from hey. Wes Anderson, Asteroid City. Uh, I've been encouraged by some of the reactions to this one because if personally, I think that Wes hasn't been on the best streak of movies, Agreed. but some people, some people who <laughs> agree with me on that have been coming out saying they really liked Asteroid City. And I think well, you're one of them. I loved Asteroid City. Yes. I can understand maybe why some people don't like it, but I actually think it is trying to examine some questions that I don't know if Wes Anderson's ever fully dove into of the of kind of like on a bigger scale of like where your place is and like your control over your life and just mm -hmm. different aspects and how like an event can make you like have like forced you to reframe everything you thought you knew and it's kind of doing this i don't want to like spoil what it's doing but it's kind of doing this through this like weird multi-layered story that it's allowing them to kind of explore something through art as artists but how it would apply to like a greater sense of life and i think some people might think that's like wes anderson like getting high on his own supply type thing but i really just think that it's a 
interesting way to kind of like examine some of like the bigger questions that people can have about life and their place in life and yeah all, all sorts of stuff i i really i really loved it a lot awesome uh yeah i mean it, it's got this really interesting vibe to it from the trailers i've seen some people sort of comparing it to a, a spielberg film because it's kind of a film really? about like like space and family i don't know if it, it gave you any of those vibes or if it's just too like particular to or particular to wes anderson's peculiarities that it is it's yeah it's very yeah. it's very wes anderson but it's just it's just showing all these people trying to get to the heart of something or trying to like figure something out but like it's layered down it's like going down through through different layers here and it's like really it's, it's an ensemble so you get it from a lot of different people's perspectives but it's like very very much on um schwartzman's character and then to the next extent i would say scarlet's character um, and they are both fantastic in this. I don't think anybody's nice. bad in this, but they are fantastic in this. So I thought um, it was really good. Again, I don't want to like spoil it, but it's just kind of like something happens and it's just showing how different types of people would engage with this thing. Um, and yeah, no, I really liked it. It just had a, a good vibe to it. It was exactly what I was looking for. Um, I'd been pretty disappointed with a lot of the movies going into it uh, up until this point, and I was I didn't like Fr French Dispatch, so I was mm -hmm. kind of excited, but tentatively so for this. And I think this just I think for, for me this is one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. I'd probably have to go through them all again to figure Ooh. out exactly where it falls. Nice, it's one of my favorites though. So wow, amazing, pretty good. Yeah, hey uh, Schwartzman too. What a year, uh, dude! He especially crushing in the it. summer. He just yeah, did that in Spider Verse. Acting in Spider Verse. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> And more importantly, he was in I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. It took me forever to recognize it was him in this movie, actually. I don't know why. he's. I think he doesn't have blue eyes, does he? I don't think so. They look kind of like weird. They gave him these color contacts. I'm like looking at him, and I'm like, is it Charlie Day? It's not Charlie Day. Who is this? And I'm like, obviously, it's Schwartzman. How could it not be Schwartzman? But he just looked so My brain just wasn't processing who he was for like the longest time in this movie. Yeah, there's something like strange to his look, but uh, mm -hmm. obviously it's that's good. It's a good look for him. Yeah, nice. Uh, another film that I know you responded to very positively was Perfect Days, the yes. Vim Vendors film. Tell me a little bit more about this because I, I really don't know much about it other than it seems to take place in Tokyo. Man, this is a movie about a guy who cleans the public toilets in Tokyo. That's his Let's job. Go. And it was. And it's just going through his days and the little deviations that happen here and there. Uh, you get little glimpses into his past, his family things, but it never fully dives into anything. It never fully focuses in on any of that. It'll show you some of the people that he runs into, the people he works with, the things that he's like passionate about and what he does. But it is mostly just going through this dude's days, like, you know, Monday to Sunday. And it sounds boring when you just lay it out like that. And there were so many movies here that felt like these just like long, just slice of life things. And I noticed that there's just a marked difference between somebody filming something with passion and love because then they can make me watching someone cleaning toilets interesting versus <laughs> something else that might not have ended up being so interesting while it was running really slow. Um, I just thought this was like, really beautiful. The main character barely says anything, especially in like the first hour, he just like, barely speaks people around him do but it's for a while i'm wondering like does he ever talk and he does it's just he's very selective about when he talks and it just 
every time he interacts with somebody new, there's just like this different vibe and dynamic. I just, I was so taken by it. I thought it was really beautiful and it has a really good soundtrack. Like he really likes like sixties and seventies, like pop, pop and rock music from America. So he's got like Lou Reed and um, like um, um, Credence Clearwater, just like different stuff like that. And it was like really, really good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just love the idea of something that so seems so slice of life and mm-hmm. uh, a little quieter. I, I don't know. Is like Patterson a good comp for the, something like this, or, or mm-hmm. is it? I don't know. Maybe a bit. It's like it's really hard to explain. It's almost like watching somebody do their like daily routines, just like going through their daily routines and. And it's, you know, the little things they always do. And it just kind of makes you think about the things that you always do. Or if you could even have a routine that's just this, like, set, set, set. Um, Yeah, no, I thought I was just uh, really, it was really beautiful. I was really, I was really taken by it, which I was, so I was very glad. Because by that time, when we hit this, I was all like, I don't think anything else is delivering the rest of this festival. I think the (laughs) glory days are behind me. Um, And then this one, like, really, really, really snuck up on me. Amazing. Just been picked up. Because I see it as a trailer. Uh, a lot of the movies here had trailers or clips available for them. I don't know if uh-huh. this was picked up, but like Wim's movies. kind of like that guy, you know. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Looks like Neon might have it, which sounds like a great place for a movie like that to land. Yeah, I guess the world sales are handled by the Match Factory, so maybe. Oh, decent. Okay. Always from maybe Neon picked them up for the u.s but yeah anyway it was good i liked it very exciting stuff um i wonder if that search for something of substance was at all influenced by uh you getting to see the idol uh, in (laughs) con uh because now all of us have had a chance to at least see the first episode of the idol but you are at least one week ahead i am Uh, one week ahead yeah. So does it does it all redeem itself in episode two or uh, no? The episode one was better. Oh. Episode one was better. Um, it is what I expected it to be, and I'm giddy because that probably means it's gonna do. It's gonna be great content for the channel. Um, <laughs> I think it does actually handle the aspect of like actually there's parts in the second episode that like Lily like crushes it. It's like it really shows the level of stress and pressures that are put on some of these young stars and how much they have to do and sacrifice and like put on themselves to just get a chance to stay. Um, And this fight between like wanting to find your identity versus what this studio and label is telling you that you have to be, that they're designing all this stuff around you and that they think you should, you just need to shut up and be happy that we're doing this for you because we're going to make you a fucking star and you should shut up and not think basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, how far she has to start pushing herself in a lot of ways to just try to get something right, to not piss people off, to not waste their time. Um, but then there's obviously the more side focus thing of the weekend, uh, Tesve here, Abel Tesve, being this like fucking creep weirdo that I'm like, why is she, why would you look at this man and not be like, that's gross? <laughs> I am getting an infection just by looking at that person. Um, <laughs> It hits a point that, like, he's helping her in some way, but she's into him before that. If it had been a thing where he had helped her and then she was into him because he's, like, building her up when everybody around her is trying to be, like, just fucking follow the thing. Yeah. Stop having bad press. 
you got to hold it together. You already canceled a tour. Like, let's get this together. Then it would have made sense for this just to be like, Ooh, you saw him from across the, the club and you like the cut of his jib. Is it the rat tail? Is it the wig that looks like a headpiece that they just pop on? I don't know. What are you into there? It makes no sense to me. He is the creepiest thing he could be in this movie. It is yeah. wildly uncomfortable. And it's like building up this cult thing. But you know what? Cult leaders are supposed to be charming and they're supposed to have, <laughs> they're supposed to be able to pull you in with like certain looks and appearances and style and stuff. And I'm not getting that from Tedros, but um, Rachel said it comes out clean. I had She's no idea. in this? Yeah, I didn't know Rachel was in it. And then she comes yeah. out. She comes out clean. It's great. She has this whole thing where they're like arguing about something and they're like, it's a fucking Bukaki picture. And then she's like, uh, I would argue that it's not in fact Bukaki because like it's only one person. But yeah, it's just like she comes out clean. She's she's great. Um, but yeah, it's uh, she she was a nice surprise, but it is rough. It's doing a lot of the things that you expect from sam levinson and i'm wondering if somewhere in sam levinson's mind he actually sees this tedros person as like charming and interesting and that's why right he like he's like yeah this would work and it makes me question like what he thinks is normal and good and cool but uh yeah i, I am very interested to see the rest of it uh, yeah exactly eli roth pops <laughs> up and i was like was that eli roth <laughs> yeah, was, the, so. the names associated with this are, are pretty crazy and that alone yeah. is probably going to be worth like at least paying attention to it just the chance to to see yeah. all these actors act in the show as as lurid as sam levinson likes to get um yeah I've, I've obviously only had the chance to see that first episode since it's available now on max and, and my my take it with with it. my takeaway from it i think was somewhat similar to yours in that there is really an interesting element to seeing the team behind the star mm. and all the the navigating of 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 situations and uh you know the the dynamics between different voices sort of trying to dictate how the star should appear and act uh, mm -hmm. But there's just also something extremely juvenile to it that that yes. the thing that animates all that action is a leaked picture of her with like a cum shot or something like that. Like it's, yeah. It, yeah. It just there's like there's some cool things that they're trying to get at, but they're also doing it in a way that feels very much like this is from the brain of a 15 year old boy. Yeah. And and I just like as much as I am intrigued by elements of it, I can't get past just how simple and, and silly a lot of it is, you know, her, the big song that she's working on in that first episode is like one of the trashiest, like most poorly together, poorly yeah. put together attempts at like, this is a superstar song. Like it's just, yeah. it's all feeding into this idea of her as sex symbol. And there's no, no real, like, in second layer to it it's all on the surface yeah uh, i will say i i really do feel like because that's not necessarily what the focus of the show is the show is going to be the focus of what's going on with tedros and what he's doing and his dynamic which you get more of in the second episode mm. can, can, in the first episode does he help her work on a song towards the end yeah towards the end okay it gets trashier it gets it gets trashier as they go um but 
yeah I, and i feel like it's because like you have this really interesting setup and premise and would make a great show like lily's character kind of pseudo reminds me of like a miley cyrus a lot of people mm -hmm. say it's like the britney spears type thing but it really does feel a lot like this is a young person who got pulled into stardom young and is now trying to like get that career as like the sex symbol going forward yeah um you know, and like that's not shade to Miley, and I'm not saying that this is supposed to be Miley Cyrus's life. I'm just saying that's the vibe I'm getting from her character. Um, and then I, I don't know. There's just so many different things working. And like I know she's 24, but she looks young. She's got like <laughs> Lily's got a really young looking face, and she's like I feel like she's short. I don't know. So it's just like it has this whole other level of discomfort between her and the weekend's character. And some of it's intentional and some of it, I don't think it's intentional. Like mm -hmm. I, I've also read stories that apparently people would just avoid him on set because of how unpleasant he was to be around. So I don't know if he's doing the method actor thing. And if he is, hell yeah, I don't want to be any fucking where near Tedros. So <laughs> I get it. So who, I feel like there's probably a lot of messy stuff that's going to come out as the show continues on. But yeah, I am content wise. I'm interested. <laughs> Art wise remains to be seen. Yeah. I don't know if my reaction to it was as like violently negative as I feel like a lot of the like collected presses reaction has been yet. to it. You didn't that, you didn't get episode two. That might be it. So that's so where I guess a we'll, lot more happens. We'll continue to pay that. attention to it. But uh yeah, yeah I, I don't necessarily have the highest hopes, at least after that first one. It's how long? Five episodes I've heard. Many six. Six. Six episodes. Six. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about something that maybe could have been a miniseries. Hey. Yes. The latest from the boy, Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. He's drained Apple Dry of over $200 million to get Good this friend. story about, uh, the, about America in the 1920s and some of the original sins of this nation off the ground. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this one. Amanda, I know it was a lot to sit through, but what were your takeaways from Killers of the Flower Moon? Um, I think it should have been a miniseries, probably. If this is the way they wanted to tell it to the extent they mm -hmm. wanted to tell it, I think it deserved to be a miniseries. I get that he's a film director and film has a certain prestige, but we have entered the area, the era where miniseries can have just as much prestige, if not more than a lot of Agreed. movies. So I think that you're trying to tell this, this important story. You're trying to do it justice. Do it justice. Give it Give it the five-hour treatment. Give it a six-hour treatment if you want to do that. Because what we end up with is something that's about three and a half hours long that has some moments I felt like they went on too long for it being a movie, and then other things were just gone over a little bit too quickly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we are working with a three and a half-hour movie. I shouldn't feel like anything was gone over too quickly. I feel like we really should have had time to have everything done the way that it deserved to be. Um, and I just, I do feel like there's probably a lot of nuance here. I'm very excited to revisit it. I will say that like going into that movie, my glasses broke. I could put on my glasses and my lens is gone. Distracting. I found my lens and I managed to put it in there, but then I'm kind of nice. like, is the screw hanging around here? Is the screw hanging? So I w was slightly distracted for a bit, but it is a really good movie. And I like that they chose to tell the story the way they told it because the, the Osage murders is what this is basically that Osage County struck mm -hmm. oil. So these are a very rich, this is a very rich community. Um, and then o Osage are, you know, first nation uh, Aboriginal community. So they are very rich, but then the double side of that, of like the government wouldn't even trust some of them to hold on to their own money. They'd have to go right. to the bank and ask for permission unless they had some kind of 
caretaker or guide to to have that. So it was kind of very common for a lot of the white folk to come in and marry into these families and then they could be curating the money basically. Um, and then something happens that a series of Osage people start getting sick. A lot of them die, the absolute murders, some of them a little bit more questionable as to what might have been happening. And it actually led into the birth of the FBI. So I find it very interesting that the FBI being like this horrific organization in so many situations and horrible in so many ways, kind of started by solving murders, like mass murders of, of a native community, which is mm -hmm. very interesting to me. But uh, and that was originally what they were going to focus more on was the the uh, the investigative side of it, because originally Leo was supposed to be an FBI agent named Tom White. And then as they're kind of they've been working on this movie for like five years so That's as they're it. formulating it, eventually Leo was like, how about, what, what about this guy and this family? And they realized that focusing in on one of these real families and the progression through that and how it's connected to one of the more notorious people mm -hmm. makes more sense to get to the heart of it. So then you get your Lily, uh, Lily Gladstone who crushed it. She is fantastic. She is so good in this. And then yeah, she got the uh, biggest standing ovation from Khan. No, and it's deserved. And that would be a standing ovation. That's a standing ovation that deserves it. Yeah, there's so many standing ovations. No one done shit. No one deserves anything. You're doing it because <laughs> of prestige. You're doing it because of like, Jean Dubuddy did not need standing ovations. Everyone knows that Jean Dubuddy was not a standing ovation worthy movie. You're clapping because <laughs> you you like Johnny Depp. Is whatever. Yeah. Um, this was deserved. She crushed it and she really obviously put care into this role she she's not osage but being you know first nations herself being native herself she, there's obviously a lot of care there they want to want to make sure that that story is told right and scorsese definitely cared about telling that story right um so that care is definitely there and then you get De nero in this role that you can fully understand why some people that were some osage people believed in him until the day they died apparently and hmm. it's it's just it's so good. There's so many layers going on here um, to what's yeah. happening and dynamics of like what characters are doing versus not characters, but what real people were doing versus what they might have really believed and felt and how you can kind of like close yourself off from like, I'm doing something really fucking horrible, but it's really not that bad because, you know, I love my wife or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's uh, not to spoil anything. But yeah, I do think it's long i do think that i don't know if the runtime's fully used the way that it should be but it's one of those ones the longer i'm sitting with it the more i i'm real like the more i like it yeah. so I, i'm very excited to revisit it but and i'm i have the book i'm really excited to read the book but yeah uh i know a lot of people really loved yeah. it so yeah take me at a grain of salt there the book is excellent. I'll I'll add that it's really really fascinating, and it's a nonfiction book. So it's, you know this is yeah. uh, actual events that that occurred. And I don't know. I'm I'm very excited to see Scorsese's take on it. I I um your reaction reminds me a bit of my experience watching The Irishman because mm. you know that's a, another beefy undertaking from Scorsese and one that you know it does have its parts that drag and does have bits that maybe um, you, you're wondering why are we in this part of the story? But mm. after you go through the experience of watching that long movie and you just allow it to be something that exists in your mind and you marinate on it, you really do like take all these other things away from yeah. it. So you were saying that like you've raised your score since you walked out of that screening. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's yeah. like a lot of people's reaction to it is that you see it and it is, you know, a very 
maybe tough experience to sit through, but then you just keep turning it over in your mind and find new things to appreciate about it. Yeah, I definitely think having a baseline understanding of what the story is and that it's real will help. Um, I yeah. was like, I'm going in completely blind. I have no idea what this is about. I haven't seen the description. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, once you get to the end, you realize, you know, it's cool. But I feel like if I had had the base knowledge of what the story was going in, I might have even might have helped a little bit appreciate it. But yeah, there are just moments that drag. There were moments where I was all like, kind of want to check my email and you should mm -hmm. never want mm -hmm. to check your email though if i had checked my email i wouldn't have broken embargo on this movie so <laughs> it's fine <laughs> yeah uh are you ready to watch three and a half hours of scorsese bro i'll take whatever extra cut they have i am excited for it. i'm a big irishman fan that that could have been longer for me i saw someone said killers of the killers of my bladder <laughs> man no, i was fine didn't have to leave didn't have to pee didn't have to whatever like i don't mind a long movie and i can sit and enjoy something i just felt like there was misused time that probably could have been fixed in an edit and i do think the editing is still really good but it's just like i do think it gets down to like i'm martin scorsese i can yeah. you know, people are like let martin do whatever he wants martin can do whatever yeah <laughs> so did you think it needed to be shorter or did you want the miniseries and wanted it to be longer either or I think it would have actually, I think make it the miniseries benefit, like it would have benefited more for being a miniseries. If it has to be a movie, it's more of a cut some here, add some here. Make the pacing better. Make, you know, pull this, change this a bit, do a little of that, and then then we're gold, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if either of you got a chance to see this thread from Jim, Jim Gray. I found it particularly fascinating. He uh, talked a bit about, how Scorsese ended up working with him and other indigenous people and putting together Killers of the Flower Moon, particularly when mm -hmm. the movie got delayed uh, during the pandemic, uh, that they took some of that time to really flesh out the story and particularly flesh out that aspect of the story. And I don't know, for me at least, reading that definitely quelled a lot of my concern over things I've heard about the idea of whether or not Scorsese is the right person to to direct this particular story. Yeah. It seems like they've gone above and beyond to at least try and, and uh, be, be fair and be, be uh, equitable and, and try to like just depict this story responsibly. So yeah, they uh, talked a lot about that in the press conference and they had like o Osage elders involved in it. I think uh, an actor, one of the actors is an Osage elder or somebody playing one of the roles is an Osage elder elder. So I know that obviously one person does not speak for an entire community, but I do know that this community did welcome them in, you know, they filmed in their community. Um, and I know, again, that also doesn't mean anything, but uh, I do think <laughs> I they, they say, I'm like, I think that's the origin of, yeah. a lot of the problems. Is the it is the origin of a lot of the problems, but uh, yeah. I, I do think that by the sounds of it, and then if, even especially through Lily, Lily is somebody who cares very much about preserving, yeah. you know, indigenous stories. Um, I think that the, I do think that they probably, you know, maybe this somebody else could have told this story or should have told this story. But if it was going to be Scorsese, I do think that that he handled it well. And he did a lot of uh, outside research and read other books. Like there's another one called um, I think it's called A Pipe, uh, a Pipe for February, which mm. is kind of like a okay. similar version, but more, you know, kind of more personal account. Um, so, you know, it looks it seems like he really cared. And the reason why he wanted to tell the story was because he really cared. Uh, we got a quick question for the live stream asking how Brendan Fraser was. He was like a he was like a lawyer, so he was extra over part. the top. He was good. He was he wasn't in it for that long. He was very extra, very extra. <laughs> nice. 
you know. All right. Well, still very excited for that one. Uh, looking back at some more cons film con films, I don't know if there's anything else that stood out to you. I don't know if you got a chance to catch Pixar's Elemental, which is another one that I'm. No? I skipped it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was like, you know what? I think it looks weird. I could do something else. So I did. I, I recorded a video and then enjoyed my last my last night in in France. Cannot blame you for doing that in France. But uh, was there yeah. any other? con films that stood out to you uh we haven't talked yet about anatomy of a fall which was the uh grand prix or the palme d'or winner i like that one a lot that was uh again i saw that one and it's fully intended original language um so i thought that was um yeah it's like a very interesting like we we don't know if she did it well you know it's it's kind of like a we're kind of watching along just like everybody else trying to see what sides of the evidence put put it to was this an accident did he do it himself or did she push him like type thing um so it's uh really interesting um i think they do a lot of really good work where like they're in the court and they'll be explaining something and then it'll like cut back to that situation happening and then it shows us it play out as it's actually playing out and the different dynamic of the relationship and how they find different pieces of information um you will think something really horrible happens to a dog the dog will be okay Okay, just good. so you know Thank going you. into it because i had a moment my notes are just like full screens so like this little shit just do it oh my god um but yeah so uh no it was really good it, it's kind of surprising that it won the palm it is really good but i don't know if it was like like compared to some of the other ones it was one of my preferred movies it is one of the ones i, I like the most and again sandra hewler just crushing it this year um, was she better between- in a was she better in Anatomy of a Fall or in uh, Zone of Interest? She is like kind of when you know what's happening in Zone of Interest, she is like evil in Zone of Interest. It's like this is just this woman who's so worried about her house and all of this shit. Um, but she has more to do in Anatomy of the fa- of a Fall because it's like all on her. Um, both are really good. I think she easily could have taken Best Actress for either role, but it probably would have gone to Anatomy if she had taken it. And I'm kind of surprised she didn't take it. But uh, yeah, I probably would have given it. I, I'd say probably Anatomy of a Fall had more more to work with. The Jury Prize, which is kind of Khan's third place award of sorts, went to Fallen Leaves. Did you have any takeaways from that film? It's really cute. It's a breezy 81 minutes. It's one of these like com- kind of comedy of errors type thing where like, they keep finding like something happens that keeps kind of diverting them from kind of like building this like connection or relationship. And, but it's not to the point that it's too stressful where you're like, Oh my God, something horrible is going to happen again. A lot of really funny dialogue really, you know, it's, 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 it's just breezy. It's nice, you know, nice little breezy 81 minutes, real, real cute, real nice worth of watch. And if you, even if you hate it, it was only 81 minutes. There we go. Uh, And we brought up about dry grasses a little bit earlier because Mm. it had the, uh, Best Actress Award winner for Merv Desire, but uh, what did you think about the movie? I have mixed feelings. I don't know if I necessarily saw it. I feel like I probably should have done a done a shot of espresso before going into it because it's like three <laughs> hours long. It's a long one. That's um, a recurring theme at Con. There were so many long movies this year. And it's like one of these things that it sets up a premise and then it feels like it diverts in a completely different direction, but it really does just kind of back up an idea about this character or who he is as a person. But it kind of starts with, it's like this teacher who seems super well-respected by everyone around him. He thinks he's kind of too good to be here, but he really prides himself on how like approachable he is by students. But he's like, 
he ends up getting a, a complaint lodged against him for a certain behavior uh, from one of the students. And mm. it's not incorrect necessarily, but it just turns into this whole thing where they start like pushing back and wondering like, why, why would anybody accuse me of this? And you think it's going to stay there, but then it totally goes off in this other direction where it's like him and his roommate and this other girl. And originally he doesn't want to be with this other girl because he's planning on movies. So he sets up the friend with the girl, but then they, it kind of just devolves down this weird thing, but it's really just supposed to be that this guy is this, this like smug, arrogant, terrible fucking person, just this horrible person. And it kind of comes all the way back around in the end and I don't know if he ever fully understands like what he did. It's one I need to revisit because so mm. many people loved it and I loved so much of it, but then it just does things that I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> I think I just need to, to so, yeah. What? What else has the director done? Uh, he's done a lot of like slow, slow, long kind Nothing of that I've seen. things. Yeah, yeah. From what I've heard, yeah, just, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, it had its moments. It, it was really good. Oh, I know the top left one. I've, I haven't seen it, but that was, I think that played at TIFF at one point. Yeah, Anatolia. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very meditative. It's not even, it, there's these long conversations, like very long drawn out conversations between characters. And even though they're so long and drawn out, it really is still a lot of like what's not being said that you're supposed to be picking up on or, or taking into account. Um, and that requires like a little bit more attention. So it's something I will revisit uh, a lot of it's great, but the the person who won, I also think the description for the movie is like terrible. I like I'm reading that and I'm like, I watched the movie and that is not what I would take away from it necessarily. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but yeah, I think yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's weird. It's an interesting one, and it's like the, the main takeaway is, is the guy is terrible. He thinks he's the hottest shit. At one point, he's looking at this too. woman. You know, he's looking at this woman with this like it's the most predatory uncomfortable look i've ever seen in my life and i'm like you think that you you're hot and that she thinks you're the super irresistible but like i'm getting all of my like stranger danger creeper like fucking get out of this situation alarms are going off and i'm watching a movie and <laughs> it's yeah and then i just like don't like the direction it took after that point i was like that makes no sense so i don't know I, i'm questioned i question a lot of what happened in this movie um but and it started so interesting, and then I just I don't know. I have to check it out again because people loved it. So, uh, Balloon Whisk in the live stream comments mentions that one of the pre director's previous films won Palme d'Or back in 2014. So it's got nice. some history at the festival. Well, there you go. I uh, was gonna wrap things up, and then I remembered I still haven't asked you about one of the movies I'm most excited about from Colin. Ooh, okay. Tell me a little oh, bit yes. about May December. I thought May December was so fun. Um, I'm so I it is really funny. It's very um, it gets this moment where it almost feels a little bit kind of like daytime expose, not quite soap opera vibes at times. Like something happens early on where there's a little like a camp. little musical. What? A little camp. Little camp. Little camp. But then it, it'll just like because it'll be this like little music flourish, and then someone just says like, "Oh my god, I just don't think we have enough hot dogs," and it's like <laughs> played out to be serious, but. It just, but then as you figure out, so it's like this whole thing is that, you know, Natalie Portman's character is playing Julianne Moore's real life person in a movie. So she's basically said, hey, can I just come like ask you some questions, hang around your family and just see what you're really like to, to prepare for the role. And they agree. But then you find out like why she's interesting enough to have a movie made about her. 
And it just kind of gets deeper as she starts talking to like, you know, ex-husband and just different people that are connected to the situation. It kind of gets deeper and deeper. Uh, you've got like a victim that doesn't necessarily regard themselves as a victim and how that kind of becomes a thing towards the end. And so it is really funny in areas to the point that Todd Haynes says like, this wasn't originally funny in my intention at all, but like, as I'm editing it, like you just kind of realize that like when you're working on something, the edit can take you in a direction and you, you kind of have to steer it. Uh, and I think that was the right choice because it's not dealing with a serious situation in a way that's not, you know, ca with care, but you can put comedy in something that's still dealing with like kind of a messed up situation. Right. Cause there's like little things like, Julianne Moore has like a little bit of like an inflection, not quite a list, but she'll just kind of say things in like a certain way. And then especially when she's getting worked up about something. So then mm. you got Natalie Portman like getting through that. And it's yeah, I thought it was um, very interesting. So I really like that one a lot. Certainly seems ripe for for great performances. And given the actresses involved, I'm, I'm very excited yes. to see what they do. Yeah, that was a very good one. Yeah. Uh, anything else to mention in your in your con uh, wrap up? Or are you is that pretty good. most of the films you love? Uh, yeah, those are most of the films I loved, and most of the ones I didn't like at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's most of them. You know, I saw like Cobweb was pretty good. Um, Pot of Pot of Feu was the one that I thought was going to suck based on the description. So I canceled <laughs> my ticket and said I'm waiting for reviews, and then I'll go see it another day. And it's so mundane. You're just watching someone cook. And I'm like, it's, it comes back to that thing. You can tell when someone is filming something with love. When they love what they're filming, they can make it interesting. I don't like cooking. I don't like taking the time to do that. But I'm just super interested watching someone like just brazen, walking around the kitchen, doing different things. It's just nice. It doesn't play out much different than any of the descriptions, which made it sound so bland. But it was just delightful. So that one, yeah, that was a, that was my surprise my surprise yeah. of the festival. The Poto and that took suck. home took home the uh, best director award as well from Khan. I can see why you, you can see why wow. incredible direction of the cooking. A uh, good question here from the live stream. Ricky asked any movies that you're going to rewatch in theaters that you saw at the festival. Ooh, I'm definitely going to check out killers of the flower moon again. Um, probably won't bother with Indiana Jones. Um, not that I didn't like it, but it's just like, I've seen it now. It'll be fine. I don't need to see it again. Um, Asteroid City. I'm very excited to see Asteroid nice. City again. Okay. Nice. And um, I'll probably see May, December just to support it. Apparently Netflix says they're giving it the theatrical push. So if yeah. it ends up here, I'll watch it. That's a big if with Netflix. It's a big if. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think but, those yeah. are the only ones that are going to play here. All right, yeah. Very, very oh, cool. Club Zero. Sorry. Club Zero. Super oh. weird one. The Mia Wachikowski. Wachikowska. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've heard about this one. That one's weird. So it's basically, it's a class in a school about conscious eating. And she's a conscious eating teacher, which is just kind of be like, hey, we have this horrible tendency to just shovel food in our mouths. But it's kind of supposed, but then she takes it to the extreme where she's all like, you don't even need to be eating as much food as you're eating. And the entire idea is to get to the point that like, they don't eat any food, but it's supposed to be like this weird cult mentality. And it's kind of supposed to be like, you know, if you're parents that don't want to take an active interest in your kids and you'd rather just put them out there what is the thing or the person that they end up attaching to and what are the things that they start to believe if you don't actually take any kind of agency in that and kind of like how impressionable kids can be and it's taken like 
as a satire. So they play a lot of it for comedy, but I can definitely see how people will end up finding it a little bit irresponsible because she sounds pretty reasonable at first when you're like, I'm like, yeah, man, I shovel. I, I, I've been told I eat like I've been to prison sometimes. Like I eat with a mission. If the food's in front of me, the mission is to finish the food and then do something else, you know? And I could probably stand to slow down a little bit and not eat so quickly, you know? So that seems logical. But then I also do think they do a good job of eventually showing that Mia's character is just insane. She's why she's like not well at all. So it's like, okay, now you've gone so far that it's like, we're not, we can't listen to this person because it's not reasonable, but it's just the idea that she's managed to see be to place herself as seemingly so respectable that parents won't even listen when someone's like, she's telling your kids like not to eat food. Your kids aren't eating. And like, well, that's ridiculous, you know? So it is kind of interesting from that angle, but I don't know if it played out the well. The ending is kind of god-awful in my opinion. Um, But yeah, so it was an interesting one. Interesting glad, one to keep on your radar. Yeah. Glad to see Mia Wazakowska in something, though. I feel like we've gotten yeah. so much less of her in yeah, the last few years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, right. there are some what? other ones I saw, but I have a full video coming out. So if there's anything that you guys didn't hear about that you think I might have talked about, you can check out my video when it comes out. Very cool. We'll definitely be sure to do that. Art, any movies that Amanda put on your radar that you're adding to your watch list right now? Uh, I know the one from uh, Glazer was probably the one that I'm most anticipated mm. out of everybody who was kept. Yeah, that. zone of interest. Um, I mentioning that the uh, actress from that one also won the award for the other one. Uh, I think has me pretty interested. But the one with Julianne Moore, someone mm-hmm. had tweeted about it, and I really thought they were playing themselves for a second. And then I saw what yeah. it was about. And I'm still excited. <laughs> but that original like second where I thought they were being that meta c- kind of had me really intrigued. So I know, right? Um, Would have been fun. Yeah, those would be the ones I have at the top. And what's good Very to know, cool. uh, a good thing to know, maybe you can't go all the way to France, but when Zach was showing the previous lineup from uh, last year, a lot of mm-hmm. those movies that Amanda was saying are not good. They get sifted out by the fall. So you don't yep. have to go overseas. Tiff, New York, even if you're here in Chicago, a lot of the best ones from there, the curation starts happening. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and you'll be able to see the best of the best over here stateside or at least somewhere in North America. Yeah. So Cons uh, for the vacation. Amanda. Yeah, like if you're a critic and you True. can get to con or you can do that under 28 thing that they do, the three days at con, that's cool. But it's like it's equally as much of like the city is gorgeous and it's cool to be there that it is like yeah. the movies. Yeah. And if you if you do go there, maybe you'll get a chance to see Armageddon Time or Triangle of Sadness or Decision to Leave or, or Close or Broker uh, or a parasite. Maybe you'll see some of the bad. Yeah. Parasite. Yeah, parasite <laughs> a portrait of a lady on fire. Like. I always like not the, a bad uh, track record quote where he says, uh, let's go to France and see some indie movies. No one's ever heard of. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we always appreciate the uh, feedback or the, the recap, I guess from Amanda. So we don't have to take the trip across the Atlantic. Uh, a lot of really exciting movies. And thanks as always for sharing your opinions with us, Amanda. We will be back on the live stream in just a little bit talking about a movie we all can see right now the latest spider-man spider-verse film across the spider-verse so uh keep it locked to the intercut podcast channel where you can listen to new episodes on itunes anchor spotify whatever podcatcher you choose i like overcast and also on our youtube channel youtube.com slash intercut pod uh where you can watch art's 
perplexed face as we break down the latest in entertainment. Uh, find find us streaming every Monday, and please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout-out to those of you in the United States for helping us get on the film reviews charts here. I usually say over there, but right here. Uh, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. You can find all of them at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from Amanda, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. And thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you on the Crosset. Maybe not too far up. Did I did I pronounce it okay? I don't. You I did don't good. You did great. Crosset. You. you did great. Thank you. <clears throat> Apparently, I don't according to them either.